We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The Zone Coverage Podcast Network. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by ZoneCoverage.com and the Zone Coverage Podcast Network. We are sponsored today by Circle Rock Menswear. Charlie Johnson, Alan Crabb is a Minnesota Timberwolf. Jeff Teague and Trevion Graham are not. It feels like the Timberwolves needed a change on the floor, off the floor. Teague was not fitting. I My initial reaction to this is this seems like a step in the right direction. Yeah, I mean, my initial reaction was two, like two, threefold. The first one was like, all right, it's trade season and it feels like this is the the start of something. This isn't the end of trade season for the Timberwolves based on everything that Gerson Rosas has said and all of the reporting that's come out afterwards. But it was also like, on the positive end, it's been it's felt like four or five years now where several Timberwolves re- regimes of of general managers and different coaches have talked about the need for this team to shoot more threes and to get better shooters. And year in and year out through the draft and through free agency, they do the opposite of that. They get guys who can't shoot. And so finally to just get someone, even if they can't do anything else, to get <laughs> someone who can shoot feels like a step in the right direction. I think... Alan Crabb is a flawed player, but I think he will be fun for Minnesota Timberwolves fans to watch because there's been so few players, just as basketball-wise, there's been so few players that are that have been employed by the Minnesota Timberwolves who are not only, quote-unquote, high-percentage shooters, but also players that teams react to mm-hmm. and do not give them space because they know if they give them space that that player will seek... We'll seek further space to set himself up behind the three-point line and shoot. It's just, 
it's going to be very different than um, specifically Trevion Graham was, yeah. who is a much stronger defender than Alan Crabb. But I think that's the comparison you know, to make, and we're talking about two outgoing, one incoming. Obviously, the salary match is Jeff Teague. For Alan Crabb, they make about the same amount of money, but Alan Crabb plays Trevion Graham's position. And he will be in the rotation kind of in that same spot. My assumption is it will be a bench role uh, for him where he will provide shooting around Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins, and that will be offensively meaningful. With Jeff Teague um, being gone, there is now only one true point guard on the roster. Jordan McLaughlin is obviously on a two-way. I think in the meantime, we will see him up with the team and some sort of backup duty. Obviously, Wiggins and Culver will play there too. But this is also the first move in a series of moves for the Timberwolves um, leading up to the deadline. They are going to add another point guard. Um, Gerson Rosas has been very upfront about that, that this is kind of only the beginning and that the trade deadline season should be viewed once it's finished. Yeah. Because because more is coming and we're going to have to kind of put this all together in the aggregate. I think that's absolutely true. It's almost like um, you think about it with an off season. It's like uh, with the, the twins off season that just happened where, you know, it's frustrating, frustrating, frustrating. Why haven't they spent any money? And then on the last day of the off season, you can go get Josh Donaldson and make yep. up for it. When I saw this trade, my initial reaction wasn't actually like that excited because I, you know, I'm not as low on Jeff Teague as I think the consensus among Timberwolves fans, but I, I agree that he's he's not a great fit. I just don't think that Alan Crabb is very good, mm-hmm. and I think that while it does add some flexibility for the Timberwolves and that it, they get a little bit further below the luxury tax and they open up a new roster spot, it inhibits their flexibility in that. Jeff Teague could have been aggregated in a trade, whereas now Alan Crabb cannot. So there's no Alan Crabb and Robert Covington for D'Angelo Russell, whereas there could have been Jeff. That does not work. That does not work. Mm -hmm. Whereas there could have been Jeff Teague and Robert Covington, just logistically because Alan Crabb can't be aggregated now. Um, But I keep coming back to that. There's going to be more. This is a move that was you know, presumably made with other moves in mind, and I'm going to hold off on any sort of meaningful judgment until those moves have happened. Yeah, and it's it's again, it's my understanding that those moves are coming, and and from the conversations I've had, uh, the point you bring up about the Wolves sending out more money in this trade um, than they received back is meaningful because they are now nine and a half million dollars below the luxury tax. Line we, we normally think of space, you know, in past years as cap space, a team that has cap space to inherit a salary without needing to send anything back. The Timberwolves can't do that, but no team in the NBA can do that. Mm-hmm. Now, the Atlanta Hawks are, were the only team in the NBA with cap space mm-hmm. entering today. And what what the Wolves have is now $9.5 million under there, so they can make a move with a team that allows them to take back more money within league rules than they're sending back. How that would work is salaries have to match up between 125%. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just in a, a vacuum, if they're trading for a $20 million player, the Wolves could take back, 20, if they're trading for a $20 million player, they could take back $25 million. Yep. And that matters because what is going to be happening as this deadline shakes out and the market, you know, materializes is there's going to be a lot of teams trying to either get out of the tax 
or that just crave that flex that flexibility to get off of big contracts, not only that expire this season, but go into the future. So I don't think that that sounds as big of a deal as you might think, but I've been told that that was a big reason behind this trade. It was, it was a meaningful factor yeah. behind it, and it's maybe why you know people are looking at it and you're like, okay, well, Teague and Graham are, are competent NBA players, and there wasn't any there wasn't any draft pick compensation that came back. Like, why is that? It's it's a move that if it works out for the Timberwolves, benefits them in the flexibility it creates, one, and two, it benefits them in the style of basketball that it will allow them to facilitate. Because the the Timberwolves certainly gave up more in a vacuum talent in this trade than they received. So I think that makes sense. They had to have been angling toward this flexibility because just the fact that um, Alan Crabb can like demand a defender's attention attention when he's running around Mm -hmm. the perimeter wouldn't have been enough to make this trade like you know, matchup talent-wise. It no, has no, to not be the flexibility. No, there no, has no. to be something more coming. Otherwise, this trade in a vacuum is no no good for the Wolves. Right, because um, because Trevion Graham in and of himself, I know teams or fans of this team have been frustrated with him, his inability to shoot, but at making the league minimum, he was an attractive asset. Yeah, you could have dumped him for like a, a second round pick and mm-hmm. then created the same flexibility you did with this trade. Exactly. Yeah, while, yeah, while keeping the, the ag- some of the aggregation stuff you talked about. So so yes, this this deal does only look very good if it helps if it creates an opportunity to make another deal that yeah. looks very good. I guess. So it's the it's step one of of this trade season, I would say say extends, you know, into the off season too. And I, I think the, another important like minutia to it is that the, and Gerson just said this, he, I, I should say, we, we just got off of a uh, conference call with Rosas where he mm-hmm. talked for 20 minutes about the, you know, what the, the team was targeting here and, and what, what he, one thing he specifically mentioned that I'd already kind of made a note of was that they have Alan Crabbe's bird rights, which, um, allows the team to go over the cap to re-sign him next season. Mm-hmm. They obviously also had Jeff Teague's bird rights, but we know that Teague wasn't coming back because he wasn't a fit in this system. Mm-hmm. So if Crab, this is kind of an opportunity for Crab to to showcase himself to see you know how he fits into this system, and if he does, the Wolves could sign him to let's call it a five million dollar contract this offseason that they likely wouldn't have been able to have done if he was just expired in Atlanta. Yeah, absolutely. So there, there's, there's that opportunity. And then we also, what Gerson also pointed out that I think seems somewhat intuitive is that Crab played in Brooklyn. Yep. And Crab played in Portland. And this team is a, a mirror in ways of what Brooklyn does offensively and what Portland has done defensively. He's played, worked with Pablo Prigioni. He's in, in Brooklyn. He he played with or played under David Vanderpool in mm-hmm. Portland. John Luca Pascusi was in scouting in Brooklyn before. And now he's the assistant an, an assistant general manager here in Minnesota. So they're very familiar with him from a scouting perspective. And and he is familiar with them from a technical schematic perspective. So it's kind of that whole pile of those little things. And, that and make it make more sense. In yeah, that, that talent just make that balance out some of that talent discrepancy. And I think that that um, it's a, it's a buy low scenario because Crab was in Portland and then in Brooklyn, 
in in these two systems that you know have similarities on the offensive end, and then he goes to Atlanta and he really struggles. So I can see why somebody like Gerson Rosas could look at it and say, okay, you know, we can. He's an extremely depressed asset liability, whatever you want to mm-hmm. say right now. We think that if we put him into our system, we can recover some of that value. He can be, you know, more the player that he was in Brooklyn than the player he's been in Atlanta. And then that player is a lot more valuable to this Timberwolves team than Jeff Teague or Trevion Graham was. Right. And he's on a bad contract, but a bad contract that is expiring is not as impactful. No. Yeah. Like Jeff Teague also was paid more than his marginal productivity, but his wasn't necessarily a hurtful contract for them either mm-hmm. because it was ex- was going to expire by the next signing period. So there's no real value lost from a spending capital yeah. sort of perspective. If anything, they've, again, they've gained some some flexibility underneath the luxury tax line to to make moves that allow them to, to take back. I mean, if they are going to make a big, a big move and you know, just for the sake of example, as it's been reported by The Athletic today, that they do pursue D'Angelo Russell. That is meaningful to that specific trade. What do we know about DeAndre, What do we know about the Golden State Warriors? They are backed up against the luxury or against the hard cap. They cannot make a move that that they take back more money than they receive. So. They have to. It has to be reversed the other way, yep. and they crave making a move. Period for for a deal that allows them to get further away from that. Yeah, to get off of more money than mm-hmm. they bring back. Yeah, totally. and other teams are. I mean, Golden State's kind of a unique situation there, up against the hard cap, but other teams crave that flexibility too. So it just expands. It spams the realm of possibilities that you know. Of, of moves that the Wolves can now make. And I think, and Rosas laid that out very blatantly in his press conference this mm-hmm. afternoon, right? That idea that, yeah, well, John Krasinski tweeted this out a little while ago, a quote from Rosas. We want to be positioned where we can take advantage of opportunities that present themselves where you can acquire a high-level player and give a team savings if they need it. And I that's what it is. Yeah, that's exactly what they did. That's much more concise than what we were just saying. <laughs> <laughs> but but that's the, you know that's the the long and short of it. Like um that I think those those elements of it and the bird rights are just as important to them as like the asset of Alan Crabb right now because all he really is is a on-court asset right now is somebody who can shoot better than all their other yeah, players, which is that's that's not that's no small feat. Like, mm-hmm. what we know this team to be able to even get to know themselves within this system more, they need to have shooting options that surround Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins because when Cat and Wiggins were you know both healthy and playing well at the beginning of the year, there was a serious warts yep. to to the effectiveness of the offense because Wiggins would get in the lane looking to distribute. And on his right would be Jarrett Culver, and on his left would be Trevion Graham or Josh Okogi. None of those guys can shoot yep. at an even competent rate. If that becomes Alan Crabb, who you know is in open catch and shoot situations from three, is like a forty percent guy. Yep, that makes a big difference. And then if maybe hopefully Jake Lehman can return, and who knows what he can do from beyond the three point line. 
But I think there's something there, and I think that right or wrong, defenders pay him some attention. So if you you know you're kind of finally starting to see an offensive lineup that could really have some floor spacing when you think about Shabazz Napier, Alan Crabb, Covington, Jake Lehman, yeah. Robert Covington. I mean, the defense might take a hit, but you'd be able to see that spacing that this team has craved all season. Yeah, and I think. The defense takes a hit in the sense that you lose Trevion Graham, who's one of your better on-ball defenders. Yeah, and you, if you replace Trevion Graham's minutes with Alan Krabs. But but I I don't think that will be a direct one-to-one because if you if you need to prioritize perimeter defense, then that's Josh Okogie mm-hmm. will we'll fill that part of the Trevion Graham role. And then, I mean, Krab will be out there and probably targeted, you know, compared if they're choosing between going at Culver or Kogi. Yeah. But but it's not like the Wolves are incap- still incapable of throwing out lineups that have crap on the bench that have, I mean, you can go a Kogi, Culver, Wiggins, Covington. Mm-hmm. Um, that's four guys who can all switch. Yep. Well. Yeah. And and that, so, and it, it was like that when, when Graham was here too, but you just... You just don't lose that much because they have other capable wing defenders. Yeah, totally. This is a very reactionary podcast. I, neither of us have had time to like dig into what Alan Crabb has been up to this season. Um, but if you had to guess right now, he's averaging 18 minutes per game in, in 41 minutes played with the Hawks so far this season, 18.6. In Crab, 41 games played. Crab, or Sorry, 28 games played, yeah, Okay, 18.6 minutes per game. Gotcha. If you had to guess on a minutes per game, over under 18.6 minutes per game the rest of the season for Alan Crabb, where would you put it? Under. Under. So, he, he I mean, he kind of could be pseudo-taking those Graham minutes because he's been playing like 10 to 15 when he plays generally, at least lately. And I think what, you know, what we will see going forward, we're going to see no matter what was um, the Wolves trying a, a few different things. And whether that be, you know, lineups that have a lot of shooting, or maybe it include Nas Reed mm-hmm. or, or, you know, th- there, there's going to be a mix. I don't think it will be like a static rotation and, and they'll, they'll consider the opportunity of the opponent. Yep. If, you know, if, if you, if you can play crab, against an opponent who, you know, doesn't have three wings who can attack offensively and you can kind of hide them defensively, then then you give them greater bandwidth on offense. Like, I think if we know one thing about Ryan Saunders is he's willing to fudge mm-hmm. game to game and, and test and he's a, he looks for guys who have a rhythm. And when, like a, a good example is what's been going on with the bigs lately since Cat's been out. They've been going with three centers with Jang, Vonley, and Reed, and that's kind of the first rotation. You know, six minutes of Jang, six minutes of Vonley, six minutes of Reed, and then the the rest of the game is kind of determined upon what he's seen from those three in those their first six minute stint. Yeah, and I think we'll you'll start to see some of that on the wing um, between you know a whole bunch of guys, one of which will be be crap. Yeah, do you think there's somebody on the team right now who could have their minutes? Slashed in any significant way as a result of this trade, Keelan Martin probably. Sure, yeah. Um, who, <laughs> I mean, we should acknowledge he isn't fully on the roster. Yeah, he's still on a two-way, and 
you know, because of that, he's been in Iowa, you know, for over a week because there's only, you only get X amount of days where you can, you know, be up. 45, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, or X amount of days left. We don't know exactly what that is. But um, yeah, I, I, I think, I think an assumption that I, that I would kind of like to, the assumption I've heard from other people that I'd like to dispel some is that um, this additional roster spot created. Oh, I wondered it. It was one of my first questions. But I, I think that the connection people made was, oh, there's an open roster spot. They're going to sign Keelan Martin to a, an NBA deal. Now that might happen, but that's not the only thing they want an additional roster spot for. Yeah, they are interested in other deals where maybe it's a three for two and they take back three players or two for one, whatever. They take back an extra player. They're interested in testing the free agent market. Yep. Um, You know, whether that be other G League players or if that's players overseas or players who get bought out, whatever it may be. I just. I don't this wasn't made purely to create a spot for Keelan. No, I mean, I would take it even a step further to say that based on what Rosa said at the press conference this afternoon, I would be very surprised if they converted Keelan Martin to an NBA contract because I I wish I had the quote in front of me, but he says some, you know, he's talking about how development takes a long time and Keelan Martin's, you know, on this process. He was asked directly, does this allow you to sign Keelan Martin? And he, you know, in so many terms, he said he's a development rebuff that. Yeah. And there's, you can also kind of see like, yeah, you could give him this NBA contract right now. And maybe that gives you a better chance to get him on like a Nas Reed type deal where Mm -hmm. it's, it's guaranteed this year. And then it's a team option for three years after that. But as it stands right now, he's going to be a restricted free agent at the end of the season. They can let him develop in Iowa for the rest of the year and like hone in on some of those ball handling skills and keep getting better at defense and then match any contract he gets this year. Or like he probably still wouldn't get an offer and then they can just sign him if they feel like he can make the team next year. Definitely, if we're making the Houston comparison, not uncharted territory for um, for Gerson Rosas. Daniel House Mm -hmm. was a key example of this last year where they you know they they didn't sign him to a deal because they didn't have the money underneath the tax and he just went and played in the G League for a few months until that until the spaces were cre- created to yeah. to make a it's, deal for that. It's also worth mentioning uh two-way guys can play with the NBA team once the G League season is over, mm-hmm. which like generally is like a couple games before the NBA season is over. Yeah. So there could be some of that at the end of the year. Right, right. I just, I think um, more moves are coming. I know more moves are coming. And and they're not going to, they're not going to limit their potential for making those moves by signing Keelan right now to to take one of those roster spots because... That'd be right. Or, or if they, or, I mean, in, or if they do, they have a, you know, a contingency plan in place of, of other players to be moved. But roster spots right now with this team are, are kind of at a, you know, a premium. Yeah, because uh, they have, you know, they they're, they're wanting to to you know keep. They have Nas Reed developing on an NBA salary. They have Jalen Noel developing in the G League, but he takes up a roster spot because he's mm-hmm. on an NBA contract. So there is a, a little bit of scarcity of. <clears throat> of roster space. Yeah, I mean, and, and they've seen <clears throat> how critical those 13th, 14th, and 15th roster spots can be if you have a team that <laughs> like lives in a flu germ like this Timberwolves team yeah. seems to. <laughs> That's been a mess. I, hopefully that is 
close to um, having passed. Maybe it'll be the big player initiative next offseason is to get a flu shot clinic in the Mayo. <laughs> it's been, school. as I That's understand That's just a joke. I get it. Like, no, people no. get sick. Yeah. That's a dumb joke. No, there's been, um, it hasn't just been the flu. It's been like yeah, yeah, yeah. different types of illnesses, too, which has just been obviously chaotic for mm-hmm. a bunch of different reasons. I mean, we've talked about Cat a, a ton and how weird this has been and now he's, knee is healthy, but now he's sick, which is preventing him from coming back and will. And like the day his knee got healthy, he got sick. Pretty much. Yeah. No, yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. serious. <laughs> like it's, that's, uh, that's it's a bad, you know, a bad, and pe- maybe some people are rolling their eyes at that. Yeah, like I kind of did do. And my response to that would be, I wouldn't be saying this if I felt like I was being a mouthpiece Yeah, for the team. Yeah. And my belief is after having dug into it with different people, talking to different people, that that's legitimately what yeah. happened with Cat. Um, could have the beginning of the Cat injury period been handled better? By the team, I think 100%. That's yeah. my opinion. Um, and then and then what, you know, what has transpired as the the injury lingered longer. Uh, it had a it had a time frame and to get fully healthy ended up being a little bit longer or towards the end of that time frame. And then as soon as you hit that end of the time frame and it's good, then this Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's just a, a situation where something that was a little bit bungled then yeah. gets compounded by Something that seems a little bit unlucky. <laughs> it's, <laughs> and then just the storm of all the other things that happened along this now over a month of the eleven game losing streak, the report from the athle- quote unquote report from the athletic of unhappiness from Towns and just <laughs> you know you yeah. you, you, it, you mix that in with the notion that we know that this front office has been very upfront about being aggressive on the the trade market. It's only natural for a fan to. Totally. To, to connect some dots. I mean, the fact that that, 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 like you said, quote unquote report, not to like demean it, but came out while he was injured. And then it's been this weird, ambiguous timeline that was never met. Like, of course, that raises eyebrows. Of course. Like, give me a break if you think it shouldn't. Yeah. And the fact that that quote unquote report comes from Golden State. Yeah. That is worth noting. Because the Wolves have been in constant discussions with the Golden State Warriors about D'Angelo Russell. Yeah, and they have been, they have also been this information to the media about wanting one of the Warriors' star players. I mean, it's it's a it's a, I mean, it's just the kind of the warfare of how this works in the and within this media landscape. I mean, I don't I don't know. Are there like unwritten rules (laughs) of how to approach that? Uh, we're not in a front office. I don't know what like guy code is there, but um, guy or gal code, guy or gal code. Um, but it's they they appear to be bumping heads. Totally, totally. Or or it's just either that or it's extremely ironic. But I do I do find it like that's like yeah, Cat's got five years left, but like so does D'Angelo Russell, and like <laughs> it's all going both ways. Yeah, like it's not like just one. It's two way warfare, right? right. It, but I think maybe people are a little bit more apologetic to the Russell idea being traded because yeah. that, that that always kind that of, was a narrative. Yeah, sure. as soon as he signed. Yeah, you know? I, I see what you and mean. And just the that makes sense. The infrastructure of Golden State, the infrastructure of Golden State makes it a lot 
make a lot more sense for the Warriors to trade DeAndre Russell than it does mm-hmm. for the Wolves yeah. to trade Carl Anthony Towns. Of course. So this stings more. Also, Cat's better. Yeah. So that's that's also a big deal. Um, what else do we want to hit on via this trade? Well, I think it just kind of brings up the rest of the the trade season and, you know, any sort of daydreaming about what the Timberwolves might do next. I'm curious, like, when this happened, you know, you say, like, you're very confident that there will be subsequent moves. Do you have any sort of, like, framework in your mind or guess about what those moves might look like? I mean, we know a point guard, but, like, what kind of point guard or, or what else? You know, and I be? wouldn't say it's only a point guard yeah. either. Um I, that's a target, but I think they have other targets too. Mm-hmm. They want to reshape this roster personnel-wise, uh, and that won't all be done at the deadline. It will be done over, you know, the transaction periods that come. This deadline, the off-season, next deadline. I mean, they are going to remain very active until they feel that they have a core in place that yeah they're ready to move forward with. Um, so I think there's a couple different ways to look at these. You know, next what is it? two plus weeks yep. uh, of time is they could they could target um, a cheaper player who is maybe on a rookie scale contract who isn't getting you know the opportunity that that the wolves might be able to offer them I think the the natural connection people are making is and we'll use as a you know a figurehead is is Dennis Smith jr yeah he's on a he's on a rookie scale deal he's uh you know a, a lead ball handler in ways and doesn't make that much money. So you could put together some sort of package where maybe Noah Vonley is is a piece going out there or some of the cheaper contracts. That the, Noah Vonley, who played well for the Knicks last year. That's a good point. Mm-hmm. I hadn't really thought about that. But but like it, whether it's Smith or, or, or someone else, a, a cheaper player that um, kind of gives, again, the Wolves an opportunity to get a look yep. at, at a guy. Um, then I think... The other realm to kind of jump into is trading for a more expensive player. And if we use D'Angelo Russell as the figurehead of that, um, you know, then you're, you're talking about bigger, you know, bigger outgoing contracts. Whether, you know, that would be probably some combination of Gorgie Jang, Jarek Culver, Robert Covington along mm-hmm. those lines. So depending if both of those paths are being examined, then pretty much nobody's safe. Yep. You know, other than Carl Anthony Towns. And um I don't I don't think they'll make a move unless it makes a ton of sense for them. Like if it's in that bigger mm-hmm. on that bigger side. Uh as I've said numerous times, trading Robert Covington without bringing in somebody that Cat is very oh. excited about playing with would be I don't think Cat would respond well to. No, I don't think that'd be good for the team either. I mean, Robert Covington is so good. Um, Like, really, unless you're going to get a star that you're so confident in that is just the perfect fit. And I don't think that's D'Angelo Russell. Mm -hmm. But that's why, again, we're not only talking about D'Angelo Russell. Yeah, but like if you're trading Robert Covington, are you going to do it for a first-round pick that like in the the world's best scenario becomes Robert Covington or are you going to do it for like a couple of role players that aren't as good as Robert Covington? No. Like it's just, it's, it becomes difficult to imagine that being a value add situation for the wolves, unless it's just such a slam dunk that I don't totally see. Right. It, it's hard to, 
it's hard to find that non-D'Angelo Russell option. Yeah, but he's going, I mean, you know, imagine a team that's, feels like one of the call it eight teams that probably feels like it's a move away from being a real title contender or being a, t- a title favorite. Imagine one of those front office people watching that Wolves Pacers game last night, watching Robert Covington just single-handedly disrupt the Pacers defense and, totally. and hit contested three-pointers and going, "Oh my god, that's the guy." Like I I can Gerson Rosas is certainly going to be enticed to trade Robert Covington. He was asked about that on the conference call today, and this is what he had to say about uh, Robert Covington. He's a great fit for this system. We are fans of his in Houston, and to have the opportunity to have him in Minnesota with me is special, but that's who he is. I think his offensive ability fits in perfect with how we want to space the floor at that position, and his defensive in, his defensive IQ, instincts, and just knowledge is very special. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that I think those things are true. Yeah. I mean... It's hard to read into Rosas's quote about him. Yeah, but it, I just, I, I do think they believe that. Um, I don't think that removes the possibility of moving him. But again, I just, I don't see them moving him unless it's part of a series of deals or straight up deals. Because he's that brings back. He is literally like, could you name three non? I'm probably this. You probably could. Could you name like any handful of non-star caliber players that are better fits for this team than Robert Covington around the whole league? I don't. I don't know. Maybe there are about three. Yeah. Um. I've been working on something on Robert Covington, and I. I, I honestly, I think it's an interesting question. Um. I think the answer to that question is yes. I. I, I mean. I. I think there are scenarios in which it does make sense to pair Cat with somebody else. He's a very, very good fit, mm-hmm. um, but like, but what what kind of player comes to your mind? Be, is it a point guard? It does. I mean, it doesn't. It doesn't have to be a point guard. I mean, we've, we've talked about. I, I guess I don't have a ton of specific examples, yeah, but it's tough. hard to know like who's who's available. I think he's better than Miles Turner, mm-hmm. um, but in that you know hypothetical, like do. How much you obviously lose a lot on perimeter defense, but if it's Turner and Cat in the front court, you gain a lot at the rim mm-hmm. uh, defensively. Miles Turner is also athletic enough and spreads the floor enough to be a, a floor spacer in in ways similar to Robert Covington. Not you know not quite as good, but he's he's interesting in in that way. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and we just don't—you just don't know who who's made available. I mean, I guess we could we could dig through every every single team's roster. I just—I'm not. They would need to be blown away, yeah. to make a deal. But I think the possibility of getting blown away is exists. There. Oh, absolutely. I I don't. So think, maybe not non-star like guy, but yeah. I mean, the Miles Turner one is interesting. To me, I'm more on the side of like it just seems so hard in my mind, to build a championship caliber roster around a front court that makes $50 million. But that'd be a damn good front court. Yeah, I mean, the even I mean, Covington's on a good deal, but those guys are going to make 40-some. Yeah, like, but that's $10 million less. Well, I mean, so Covington may, is like basically 11, 12, 13 mm-hmm. for the next three years, and Miles Turner's on $18 million for the next three years. So that's, I thought he was 480. Um, no, that's like with incentives, oh, sure. but it's, it's okay. listed at 18. So, okay. Okay. I don't know. But I mean, anyways, it, 
Again, I think Robert Covington is better. Yep. is a better fit than Miles Turner. I'm just saying that archetype. It just it goes back to the you know the more X's and O's question or the the Carl Anthony Towns question of like, what is the best? What is the best fit with him? Mm-hmm. Who 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 is it? Is it is it a guy who is bigger? Is it a guy who's more offensive? Is it a guy like Covington who just fits in? Like his his piece connects so well. Yep. Uh, as into pretty much anything. Like I that might be that might be true. But I don't I don't think at all is this front office saying, no, we know our two pieces of our core core are Carl Anthony Thompson and Robert Covington. I absolutely I absolutely if for no other that. reason that Covington is five years older than yeah than, than Carl. I mean that that that's a factor. And he's got a nice deal, but Two years after this one, and what are the odds the Wolves are really competing two years after this one? I mean, if if they do become a contender with Carl Anthony Towns, it's probably four years down the road. So then you're thinking about. I do think do think what is different um, with Covington now is we haven't seen any signs of his injury deteriorate, be like really lingering or, or becoming worse. Yeah, no, totally. Um, he seems, seems to like be, it's becoming better. It seems you know, that it, it is. And yeah. I like that was just kind of always as it was going to be, it was going to be a, a, a slow progression. I think he's still progressing in that area because it was a, you know, it was a serious injury that is to your knee, which, you know, affects so much of a player like Covington, who is a really good wing defender. Yeah. Um, repurposing that into a younger asset in a perfect world makes a lot of sense. Sure. Sure. Um, but I'm like I'm I'm like you. I die. It's like who's that younger? Oh, it's basically. Yeah. I mean, we just keep going back to D'Angelo Russell. Yeah, and <laughs> and then even there, you have questions. I, w- I wish one of us was higher on that option. On for, for, <laughs> like I, I mean, I we could play like yeah, the devil's advocate the radio of it. Show guys, but it's just. I mean, I'll get into it and learn about it once if it happens. Totally, but um. I mean that's a that's a long standing opinion I've had on D'Angelo Russell is that he's a very good player he's not a great yeah great player I mean we could talk about the D'Angelo Russell thing for like a long time we've already done <laughs> but in my mind what it boils down to is man if this team gets D'Angelo Russell they need Robert Covington <laughs> that's true <laughs> so I mean that yeah and I mean the other side of it is it is poss- possible to um to get D'Angelo Russell without. Including Robert sure, Covington, sure. And uh, I've written about that extensively. We talked about it, did a whole podcast on it, where they can find other ways to incentivize incentivize Golden State. A lot of that would be draft pick assets to to acquire Russell, and then there's also that trade that Iguodala trade exception, where they can make that bigger, and that would be meaningful for for Golden State, who you know, in a, if somehow. Two unprotected wolves firsts plus um, Jang and Culver got it done. Then, if you're Golden State, you also now have a twenty-one and a half million dollar trade exception. Yep, that's that's big for them because they can now they can go out this summer when they are really retooling and they have they not only have Steph, Draymond, and Clay, they have some assets in the sense of they have these two first round picks that they could trade. They have Jarrett Culver, who's a, who's a young asset, and then they have that twenty one and a half million where they can go get some go get yeah. someone, yeah. And uh, you know, I, I've thrown out like Zach Levine, Aaron Gordon, something like, anyone who makes 
less than $21.5 million. Yeah. They could go get that when they would other like they would be uniquely able to do that by making a trade with Minnesota that creates a bigger trade yeah. exception. And I don't if you want to read about that in more detail, I, I have that up on the on the website. But I think there is a path for the Wolves getting D'Angelo Russell that does not include Robert Covington going out. Yeah. It would just it would just cost and I mean, assets elsewhere. I mean that that's the scenario that gets me excited. It's the only it's probably the only scenario that gets us excited. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because totally. if it if it includes Covington, then it just feels it deflates the intrigue. The yeah. limited intrigue. <laughs> how many put how many players have the Timberwolves had better than Robert Covington in the last since Kevin Garnett left? Just a small handful. Jimmy Butler, Carl Anthony Towns. That's the list, right? Kevin yeah. Love. Kevin Love. Kevin Love, thanks. Yeah. yeah. Of course, Kevin Love. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I mean, he's so he's so good. And I don't know if you- I, I love I'm I'm just I think we know <laughs> I think we know that he's so yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That I'm just trying to point out the other the other parts of it. Like totally. th- this <laughs> I mean it's it's zero surprise to me that every single you know, the ringer or whatever blog post article that is talking about the trade deadline that Robert Covington is featured in the, the featured image. Yeah. Cause why wouldn't you, why oh wouldn't you, if you're any team, if you're any contender, who are the teams that the athletic put out there today? Dallas, Houston, Philly. Yeah. Like, yep, Philly. of course those teams should be interested in, in pursuing Robert Covington because if you're Philly, if you're Philly and you add Robert Covington to that mix that they have, like, woo, totally. Uh, Dallas, you replace you place Dorian Finney Smith with Robert Covington. If you're if you're Houston and and now you can and you can put him out there instead of Daniel House. Like those teams, I mean, take what if big steps? What if you're even the Clippers and you can put him out there instead oh. of Mo Harkless? And now you just have this this Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Robert Covington wing trio that's unfair. Like actually unfair. The problem with all of those teams is in a one-for-one one trade with the Wolves, like, all right, what's coming back? So it's like Philly, and I mean, Philly's definitely got young, interesting pieces. Like, I think Matisse Thibault would be super cool. I like Matisse Thibault, mm-hmm. but like, the, no. What's like, his high on comp? Yeah, Robert Covington. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just, it, it's hard for me to construct a deal that makes a lot of sense. And then when you factor in the cat element and their friendship, which I don't think, can be undersold at all. It's gotta be, it's gotta be bigger. And those contending teams aren't going to trade one of their pieces that make them a contender for Robert Covington. Totally. Keep, right, keep Robert Covington. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's that's such a dumb thing to say because you don't know what offers are out there. But it, yeah, it's it's always dependent on the market. Yeah, but, um, I have another question. Yep. We've been talking like mostly in terms of what kind of players the Timberwolves would target from other teams. Like, would it be a Dennis Smith Jr. type? Who, like sidebar, I've had this weird gut feeling ever since he was drafted by the Mavs that Dennis Smith Jr. is going to end up with the Wolves. We talked about it a lot last, last year, year for sure, and I'm interested in it too. So I just have this feeling that that's going to happen. <laughs> but scrap that. Is it going to be like, you know, what kind of player are they going to target? I'm I'm starting to flip that on its head and think, are there any players on this roster, namely Gorgie Jang, Andrew Wiggins, and, you know, Jake Lehman, but he probably doesn't count, that they might be trying especially hard to get off of 
Do you know what I mean? Like rather than looking at players that might identify as as fits and then figure out how to get them, are there any players that they're just prioritizing getting off of their salary if they can? Yeah, I mean, I would say Gorgie would be the the connection to you know to draw there. Yeah, uh, but he's making seven over seventeen million dollars next season. So for any team taking him in, um, I mean, that is just a it's just almost an agreement of. We're not contending next year. Yeah. We're certainly not spending this summer. How many teams are willing to say that? I mean, there's some, but but I think that really, to, to, to a degree, limits your bandwidth of, of teams you could look at. Uh, there, there's also the factor of um, he's, been, he's played better. Yeah. Kind of looks like a good backup for Carl Anthony Towns. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, I think the Wolves and Ways are just incentivized to, you know, let that one ride out. Or maybe at next next season at the deadline when you don't have to attach assets to it, mm-hmm. just like you did with Teague today, you know something along those lines. He's also he's also an important figure um, to you know from what I've been able to glean um, from a leadership standpoint in that locker room. Yeah, uh, they love him. Uh, like the the guys, he's just one of. I mean, <laughs> that certainly hasn't stopped players from being traded before. Yeah, but there's just uh, I think. Uh, Gorgie star has brightened a little bit over the, the course of this year that doesn't make it like a, a no brainer that they have to move him. Yeah. And like weirdly, I don't think it still doesn't boost his trade value that much because he's still just way overpaid. I mean, mm-hmm. there are just very few centers around the league that are worth $16 million. Right. Like I, I very, mean, very, very, honestly, few. the the one team I was thinking of was Atlanta. <laughs> yeah. That would, uh, would make sense for him just in the sense that, they're not going to really do anything next year either. Mm-hmm. So, you know, bring in Gorgie Jang, I think he'd be a, a pretty good fit with uh, Trey Young. Yeah. Trey Young was had a lot of success with Dwayne Dedman last year. Isn't Gorgie Jang, like, particularly now that he shoots threes, like Dwayne Dedman? Sure. Yeah. Um, and and if that's true, if he's Dwayne Dedman, what did Dw- Dedman sign for this summer? Like seven? Eight, nine, ten? Yeah, yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe ten. Good, good contract. Like, well, it, so that's what I'm saying. So if that's a good contract. No, 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 no. Good contract for him. Okay. Sorry. Good contract for him. Okay. <laughs> I just, I do think Gorgie's market value has increased. Okay, sure. But uh, but not to the point that it like makes sense a for, trade a for him team. likely. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But, but a team like that who next year wouldn't be burdened mm-hmm. by having an expensive player on the roster. Yeah. You know, that. I, I could I could see that happening. Um, who, who are those teams? That that's you know that's what yeah, it comes down to. That's tough. And then and then it's even tougher. I think if we go to Andrew Wiggins, who's obviously a better player than Gorgie Jang, but we're talking about three more years at max money for a, a guy who you still don't know. Yeah. So that's kind of your your sense of Andrew Wiggins going into the trade deadline is that. You know, he definitely had that great start to the season. It slowed down. I don't think it's like slowed to the extent that it's as bad as it used to be, but it's definitely slowed down. Last couple have been bad. Last couple have been bona fide bad. Yeah. But you don't think that that's really done much for his trade value. I mean, because I think you would have probably said something similar or anybody who knows much about the league's landscape would have said something about a year ago, like, yeah, you could probably trade him, but like, it's going to be hard and who's going to take him. Like, that's pretty much we're in the same boat still. I, yes, I've the narrative I've always pushed that I believe in is that it was 
would not be as many assets as you think to get a team to take Andrew Wiggins. And that doesn't mean it's a positive contract, but in the the way that contract is ranked on, you know, when people do the worst contracts in the league, Bleacher Report, or like Dunk Don goes through the, the worst contract, I've asked tons of people about that. That's if I'm ever with smart people, those are conversations I try and I try and bring up Andrew Wick. You know, it's yeah, a yeah. fascinating wrinkle in the this Timberwolves. And every time the response I get is it's not as much it's not what it's labeled as. But how many guys in the league are like untradeable to the extent that Andrew Wiggins is? Well, I think it's the numerous years. That that But that's what makes it a bad contract. <laughs> yes. It I'm not saying it's it's not a yeah. bad contract, but it, it there is the you know, and people make the, the Charlotte comparison mm-hmm. all the time of, of something like that. It would cut it would need to be a team who doesn't think they're gonna be a player in that big twenty twenty one summer. Yep. Right? Yep, that makes sense. Um, which most teams want to be mm-hmm. because there's a whole list of guys that they could get. And it would, you know, if it if they if that didn't bother their books as much for that year, then that's, or, or they just knew they weren't going to be digging in that summer. Then that's interesting. And that's why, that's why Charlotte does make some sense there. Yeah. Because they, well, they're in a bad spot now. They do not have long, a lot of long-term money committed. You know, Zeller is expiring. Biombo expire Marvin Williams. I mean, a bunch of guys, Batum after another year will expire. Um, they don't have a lot of long, they got, I mean, it's basically rookie scale guys after that. So if you're if you're Charlotte and actually thinking about rebuilding long term, you go all right. You know, we we could go with it. we we could go with Andrew Wiggins for the next three seasons, mm-hmm. and you know, see if we can you know, maybe that value fits best with us, yeah, or better than it does with the Timberwolves, yeah. Given that I think the Timberwolves are further, Timberwolves are definitely further along the line towards contention than than the Hornets are, if for no other reason that the Wolves have a cornerstone player. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do the Hornets have? Devontae Graham? Yeah. Uh, Terry Rozier? Like, I don't think it'd be the Hornets trading for him saying, oh, we have our franchise player, Andrew Wiggins. Nobody's saying that anymore, but... We can get him at a price that we feel like is worth it. I guess I'm just thinking... I would be surprised, really surprised if he's moved to the deadline, though. I, I, I'm more just thinking about it in like a, in a broader philosophical sense where I would have guessed going into the season that I, I understood not just like Rosas coming on board and saying, I'm going to do everything I can to trade Andrew Wiggins because he's got a system that he felt like could make him a better player and improve his trade value. But if his trade value has been improved at all throughout the course of the season, and if he is tradable without giving up many assets, like it seems like a lot of smart people think, I would have thought Rosas, is, Rosas would trade him. I would have thought that he would have said, okay, I got his value up a little bit, now I can trade him without, you know, call it giving up two future first. Yeah. I would have thought he would have done that kind of the first chance he got. So, and I don't know but if that, that chance says, might not have been, that, that, sure, that first chance yeah. might not have even happened. So I don't know if that says more about Wiggins's trade value being lower than maybe you're alluding to, or Rosas's opinion of Wiggins as somebody who could continue to grow or could continue to grow in the system or continue to grow their trade value is just greater than I imagine. I just would have thought that would have been a priority and maybe it is. I don't know. Yeah, I, I honestly, I don't, I don't really know either. It, it, it's you know, in the, that's a hard one to read. Yeah, uh, 
you know, with them and the, the conversations I've had, I, the, the, the logic I go back to or the, this, the really general premise of, you know, this rebuild, if you want to call it that, is this is about 2021. And this year, this season is about establishing a system and developing players within it. And then next, and then next season is getting good at that. Even, even though you will be down talent, comparatively down talent. 2021, Gorgie is off the books. Andrew's contract is much shorter. There is a whole glut of talent to be had on the market. If you can show teams that we are moving in the right directions, we have a good front office, and I've established a culture, as cliche as that sounds, mm-hmm. that's the goal for 2021. And I don't think, I don't think they feel the need to, to rush to that as it pertains to Wiggins. Because, not saying they won't, but I think they can wait until then to see, you know, does he, can he be part of this, the push, the time, the 2021? Or, you know, at that time, all right, rubbers hit the road. We gotta, we gotta go. But the sense I have is he is part of this. Yeah. Right now. Yeah. And that's super interesting. I don't want to keep like beating this. I just wonder whether he will be more tradable in a year if nothing changes, in two years if nothing changes. I just don't, I don't know that that's true. I don't know that it's not, but it's interesting to me. Oh, it's, I mean, it's, it's fascinating. Big, big salary players that you do not know what they are or what they will be are confusing and also opportunities. Yep. Uh, I mean, you, you and I were talking about this a bit the other day of, you know, outside of the world's bubble of just Chris Paul. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's one of the most fascinating things in the league right now because he's right now, he's really good. Yeah. Yet his contract is so big and so bad that like, how do, how do you compensate for that? Totally. What, how, what does that make his true value be? Because it doesn't worry. It's not so simple as just saying, oh, it's a bad contract. No, because like what we were saying is, and somebody could for sure quibble with this, but Chris Paul is like basically a 100% perfect fit for Carl Anthony Towns. He can shoot. He can play off the ball. He's a good defender. He can run a great pick and roll. He's clutch. He's hard nosed. He's like, he's he'll beat somebody up for you. Like that's the kind of guy that would make Carl Anthony Towns better. That would make this Timberwolves team a lot better, but he makes up almost half of the salary cap. <laughs> Half. Like, it, it, he wrote that rule so that he could be this guy. That's it's, true. it's hard to feel bad for him, but, like, it's such a yin and yang. It, it really is. And, and to, to be clear, you know, we were just talking after that, that Thunder game and you're just, just about the Thunder and how, how interesting yeah. they, they've been and, and what they've been able to Yeah, we come. weren't suggesting a trade. We were just no, kind no, no. of, like, we, shooting the shit. What we, were do, what we were doing was, you know, having the, you know, the having hindsight, you know, yeah. being 2020, the revisionist history of, like, you know, what if the Wolves this summer would have got went and got Chris Paul after he got traded to the Thunder? I mean, the the perception of Chris Paul then was albatross contract, questionable what his productivity is going to be, you know, going forward, which made it so that the Thunder wanted to get off of that in theory. So in a weird sort of way. Like Gorgie Jang and Jeff Teague for Chris Paul might have been a deal that they just accepted straight up. Mm-hmm. 
because then they were just like, okay, well now we don't have half of the salary cap for the next three seasons yep. dedicated to Chris Paul. And again, having this hindsight of knowing that the productivity of Chris Paul is still there right now makes that look kind of good for the Wolves where they could be like, all right, we, you know, if Chris Paul was here, maybe they're like the fifth, sixth seed this year, fifth, sixth seed next year. And then by that 2020 year where the, you know, it's the time to make the move. If, if they really wanted to, you know, go into that next window. Yeah. Chris Paul makes a ton of money, but it's only for one year at that point you could maybe find the 2021 version of the Atlanta Hawks and say, you know, dump him there, attach a pick to it or something. It's just, that is, is, is interesting hypothetically, but it's just, it's so impactful when Mm -hmm. the salary is that big. And Andrew is similar to that because he is, his salary is not as big as Chris Paul's, but heavy and long and unknown. Yep. His productivity is unknown. In the same way that Chris Paul's is because of his age, Andrew Wiggins is because of his past performance. It's it's unknown how good they'll do into the future, how which, well they'll do. Which just as somebody who, who likes having these types of conversa- conversations is is really interesting because the Thunder are like a really kind of cool team right now. Yeah, yeah, and totally. I mean, I mean, Man, those Thunder fans, I know they lost Kevin Durant. They lost three MVPs, but man, they've had a good go of it. Like, (laughs) count your blessings, OKC Thunder fans. I'm serious. I know. They've had a good go of it. Well, even take out the Chris Paul. I mean, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, they got Shea Gilgis-Alexander. You get your team with Kevin Durant. Like, the first year you ever get it, you get Kevin Durant. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I'm going back. I'm going back. Like, they've had a good go of it forever. I'm jealous. <laughs> they're, they're good fans, too, from everything yeah, I've heard. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Shea, plus four unprotected first-round picks, plus a fifth first-round fifth round pick that is protected, plus two first-round pick swaps. Plus they have Chris Paul, who's kind of producing, and, and Gallinari doesn't seem to have lost a step, and they're going to make the playoffs. And Steven Adams is good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We're, uh, we've gone sideways. But, I, yeah, I, I don't know, man. I, the, Wiggins just... He lingers. Totally. It, it, it's just something that I've been thinking about because I thought that in, uh, Wiggins was a really interesting piece as it related to Rosas coming on board and being this, totally. this new leader of this organization. And I'm, I'm just fascinated by that. And, and, and for a while there, Wiggins was kind of doing the Chris Paul thing. Yeah. Where you're like, oh, there, there, is, oh. Still, there is something here. Um, what I mean, We haven't really talked at all about their, their recent play, but it's – this has been concerning. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, misses the four games with the illness and, and, you know, comes back, doesn't look totally healthy in the like emaciated way. And, and then follows that up with really poor play. Mm-hmm. And that's something, you know, that's something that's really fair to be concerned about for the Timberwolves because he's a, he, Andrew Wiggins is a critical val- variable in this, whether it be from his, his production as a roster piece, his value as an asset. And he he eats up a lot of possessions. And he's just he's a big part of the team. Yep. And and that just that makes him a, a very important factor. Yeah. For for Rosas, for fans, for us talking about it. It's uh he's just a part of everything. Yeah, totally. And an unknown. And very much so an unknown, which is 
you know, kind of what makes you think of like the do you try to trade that kind of player the first chance you get? Because rightfully so, the narrative mm-hmm. on Andrew Wiggins. So that's your stance. That's yeah. your sense. First first chance you get. Oh, it's always been my Yeah, sense. yeah, yeah. I know. Just to yeah. lay that out there. Because rightfully so, the narrative on Andrew Wiggins should change like the wind because he played really nicely to start out the season. But just like what was pointed out by skeptical people at the time, he had had stretches of good basketball in the past. Not as good. Certainly not as good as he was to start the season. And in kind of a different capacity. And in but. kind of a different capacity. But he's been good for periods in the past. He got a max contract. I mean... He's shown inconsistency. So now if he's going to have a month where he plays poorly, it's it's like, yeah, okay, this is Andrew Wiggins. And now next time he has two good weeks, no one's going to blink. Um, I, I wrote something about Andrew Wiggins this week and just this kind of the, the fall off for him. And it's, it's always, uh, it's always funny to write about Andrew Wiggins because you write about what he's doing and then you write about what he's done and what he was like before. And, for me, I like to you know put video in in my articles, and uh, you know to kind of highlight what he looks like, and then, co- then when I want to compare it to what he used to look like, uh, it, it's it's just harder to like rip video for that of like um, you know of twenty fifteen Andrew yeah, Wiggins. Yeah, yeah. So what I always end up doing, and just to like look for it, is I just go Andrew Wiggins highlights twenty fifteen sixteen that Sam Mitchell year. And I, if you're listening to this right now, and you have your computer up. Type in twenty fifteen sixteen okay. Wiggins. Andrew Wiggins highlights and the they're just highlights. So the lowlights are obviously removed. The highlights are unbelievable and, and look absolutely nothing like what he it looks genuinely like. Genuinely looks fast. Even good, even good Andrew Wiggins this year looks completely different than 21 year old Andrew. Wiggins. Well, what's the number one thing that jumps out to you in that regard that, that he lo- that looked different back then? The explosion, explosion, totally quickness, aggressiveness, uh, aggression. I mean, it, I mean, who's going to ask him, who's going to be the first reporter to ask him why he stopped dunking? <laughs> He's like, yeah, I, I, don't, like, I mean, it's kind of come up, but not, you know, not, not directly. And it, it's, it's just so obvious. That, I mean that, that, yeah, that, that totally pops up because he, <laughs> he just goes and he, Dunks on, but he finishes on. And even when he's not dunking, it's it's this force yep. at the rim, and and that's why I shot nine free throws a game, eight free throws a game. It's crazy. I mean, Andrew Wiggins is having his best year in a long time, right? This year, even uh, even including this last six games that have stunk. And he that year got to the line almost twice as frequently as he did this year, and that's just like what the hell. I'm watching this and these highlights and you're so right that even when he even when he wasn't dunking he would literally just sprint into guys yep. and through them and he does not do that anymore and he'd sky in for putbacks over two bigs standing there for a rebound mm-hmm. and he does not do that anymore it's something i mean it's, that it was leads a me to believe it it's something hunger. innate <sighs> yeah there, there's a, there's a whole bunch of like conspiracy theories of what it was he like you know, you knocked didn't. out Nerlens Noel on that one dunk. Was that last year, two years yeah. ago, or something? I don't know. I, do, I I don't know what it is. Maybe he just doesn't. I mean, he's wrong, but he, maybe he doesn't. If he thinks this, but he doesn't think he needs to do that anymore. That'd be funny if he said. Another that. <laughs> thing that pops out from all those is look at where he catches the ball all the time. Above the break. 
No. What do you he, mean? He catches it at like 17 I feet. I closed it already. Sorry. <laughs> he, he, he catches it. He catches it at like 17 feet and that's where he starts his yep. attacks from. It's, it's just, it, he also looks like he's playing a different sport, even though that's only like four years ago. Uh, just the way the offense functions maybe was he's so better suited. For, yeah. It, I don't know. It's, he's just like leaning forward. Which is like it's like he doesn't lean forward. It's like something that simple. He just look like looks like he's angling toward the basket at all times. Or now he's more on his heels, even when he's attacking the basket. This is this is my favorite stat. Once I, again, I watch that and then I start looking at his his stat his earlier early career stats. And he took 153 catch and shoot twos <laughs> in his in his first two years in the league. Wow, he's taken two catch and shoot twos this season. And I'm I would bet that those are both like. End of shot clock or, or like one foot on the line. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah. That's probably. Yeah. So his game has changed and, and this makes more sense because this is how basketball works today. And it's the residual effect of it's he's become a better player. And he was never that good even when he was attacking. The True. Room. But my theory is he was just more comfortable with all of that. Yeah. And he was more he was more. He's listening to Ryan and he's listening to, to Gerson about what they need to do. And, you know, he did that. He's, he's changed his shot selection a lot. But I just think he innately is more comfortable playing Sam Mitchell basketball. Yeah, it sure looks like it. And if that's that. true, if that's true, and that is an, a, something that cannot innately be changed, he will never be great. He will never even be good. Because that style... That 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 those ranges, that those areas of creating your shot, do not create profit in in a, at a level that competes with the other yes high volume players in the league. Totally, it's that simple. It is agreed. Two games this weekend, back to back, at Indiana on Friday, and then back home on Saturday uh, against the Toronto Raptors. It seems like this has now been uh, buried as a story, but I think Carl Anthony Towns is going <laughs> to come back. Do you? <laughs> I do. Yeah, I do. I, I saw I saw Cat yesterday, and um, he did still look like he was not well. Yeah. Um, but I do know that that's what's holding him back. The sickness is yeah. is the sickness, and it's not the knee. Uh, it, if it is the same sickness that Andrew had, that kept Andrew out four games. Cat has missed three games now with the, with, sure. with the sickness. So whatever, you know, whatever the timetable is, do you think it'll be, do you have a good idea of which one of the games you think it'll be? Well, that that's kind of the thing too, is that you're probably not going to play. You're probably not going to sit out for five weeks. Yeah. Even if the, if, if the illness thing wasn't there, sit out five weeks with a knee injury and then come back and play it back to back. Totally. So, you know, even if he's good to go tomorrow, and, but you have this, like, we're not going to play on a back-to-back with your knee, even though it's healthy, but, you know, <laughs> managing the load. Yeah. Um, That's a fascinating how you would have make the decision of, do you pick the Toronto game or the Indiana game? Because, like, probably, you, probably you, the Toronto, why not, why, it, factor in the, okay, if the illness wasn't a thing, then I say you do the Indiana game just to, you know, just to get him back because he's ready. But now with the illness. Sure. That Might there's well. there's conditioning elements to that, you know, building it back up. You know, maybe you go Saturday. Might as well just give him an extra day mm-hmm. to, to recover run him, from you know, his run him, you know, run yeah. him on Friday. He he did he did fly with the team to Indiana. Cool. Um, so 
I don't know. I, 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 this is a broken record, but I, I, it is coming. He's yeah. coming, and and that will make um, that will make watching Timberwolves basketball more oh. intriguing. Uh, and 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 honestly, like uh, Alan Crabb is not that good, but he will he will too because it 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 just fits better. He's a little Anthony Tolliver esque. When okay. Tolliver was here, like he's not okay. going to do much else, but man, oh man, is he going to shoot? And uh, Tolly tried defensively though. To- Tolliver was, and Tolliver was a solid team defender. He just couldn't stay in front of yep. anyone to save his life. Tolliver is yep. a better defender than Alan Crabb. hundred percent. But like, there's a little bit of uh, stylish similarities there. I, I like that. I like that. I like that count. Um, it, he'll be, uh, he'll be one, you know, to, to monitor. Cause I think the team will be monitoring going forward. Um, if you're interested in quotes from Gerson, like I said, he talked to us for like over 20, I think it was like 25 minutes today. Um, I will have a story up tomorrow morning, Friday morning, or I guess late tonight on, on what he had to say about the, the Jeff Teague and uh, Travion Graham going out uh, and Alan Crabb coming in. And I, he was, uh, he was straight up, you know, about, you know, what didn't work about Jeff. I mean, he, in so many words, called them on the record, you know, a bad fit. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, seem to really like Jeff the person, but there's just, um, you know, we're getting what Chris Hine did is his Q and a with, with Rosa's these time, the, these, uh, transactions will, will allow people to get to know who the president of basketball operations is more and more and what this front office is, is trying to do. So, um, check that out at, uh, at zonecoverage.com and I'll be back doing this pod on Monday and I'll be in Chicago for, Oh, right on. For the uh, the Wolves game on, yeah, I'm going to the Wolves Bulls on Wednesday, and it's of course right when Zion is making his return, so I won't be able to watch that. Um, but yeah, until then, I'm Dane Moore at Dane Moore NBA. That's Charlie Johnson at C Johns NBA. Till next time, peace out. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.